Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Call of the Wild in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. to be pretty straightforward this isn't gonna be a very long episode i don't have too much to say about the call of the wild uh it is a new film it came out last weekend to uh, surprisingly large box office numbers to many and uh you know it seems to have struck a little bit of a chord uh with people right at this in particular particular moment uh i got to see it on sunday so i've had a few days since seeing it to really sit with it if you will and uh yeah we're just gonna no spoilers uh just kind of a real quick breeze through um just my my thoughts on the call of the wild so to start out <clears throat> the call of the wild is based on a book by jack london it's a book i have not read i can't think of a jack london book that i have read uh, i know they adapt a lot of his movies and I'm looking on my spreadsheet at the other film credits that uh, he's been associated with. And for the most part, I don't see why they keep making his movies. Uh, you know, White Fang has been made many, many times. Um, looking through some of the other movies of his. Uh, you know, all the movies that he's made that deal with wolves or, or dogs to some degree. The Sea Wolf, White Fang, Call the Wild... Um, uh, the Iron Heel, Gold Hunters of the North. Uh, you know, I, granted, uh, there are many, many Jack uh, London movies based on his his works of art, his his writings that uh, I haven't seen. So, you know, I'm sure I'm missing some some good ones, but the you know five or six that I've seen so far haven't done much for me. I wasn't particularly looking forward to the Call of the Wild. Uh, it doesn't have really anything that is uh, drawing me into it. It is a seemed to be a pretty standard film. Uh, I didn't. One of the things I will say is I wasn't sure if this was being aimed at kids or not. It you know CGI dog um, seems to imply that it's you know kid friendly. It's rated PG. Uh, Harrison Ford, on the other hand, definitely less appealing for kids. And uh, some of the themes, as I was watching it, are a little mature. So I wasn't sure what the age range was supposed to be for this movie. And I think that might be another issue that I have with it uh, as we get into it. I, I think it, it lacks um, an audience that it is aimed at. Uh, and maybe that audience is just families. But then, I I, I don't know, I just... I was a little puzzled, a little puzzled at, at how it was being, uh, at who the movie was for, I guess. And I think, ultimately, I, I arrived at the conclusion that it is much more for um, an older generation than it is for a younger generation. You know, I wouldn't expect, you know, eight to ten-year-olds to have read The Call of the Wild. That's what, there's what that is. Uh, the other part of it is the dog itself, CGI, uh, the motion capture for... Uh, Buck is done by uh, one of my favorite motion capture um, performers, uh, Terry Notary. 
second, I suppose, only to Andy Serkis for me. Uh, he's done, Terry Notary's done some pretty great motion capture uh, over the years. Uh, and I was looking, I was curious to see, you know, how he pulled off uh, this performance, quote unquote, um, as a, you know, as a dog. You know, we've, I've seen him most, you know, he's in, he does Kong in Kong Skull Island. Uh, he's worked on the Hobbit movies uh, and the Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, he was Rocket. And uh, you can even see him uh, acting like a um, a monkey in The Square, which is a foreign language film. Um, that he's, I mean, he's very, very good at it. And but but monkeys aren't dogs. You know, they look very differently. They're, they're structured differently. Their anatomy is different, and uh, their movements are different. And so I wasn't sure exactly how that was going to translate from one movie to the next. Um, and ultimately. Uh, you know, maybe if the VFX, if the CGI for the for Buck was a little bit better, um, it would have gone a little further towards towards being believable. Because I, I, you know, watching the movements of Buck didn't ever feel like it wasn't a dog. Never felt like it was a human doing the movements. And I don't know if Terry Notary was actually doing the running and the and the chasing and the sliding and that sort of thing. If he was just doing the head, kind of like Benedict Cumberbatch did with Smaug. Uh, but, you know, looks like a dog, acts like a dog, it's a dog. Uh, the problem is, any time Buck was interacting with human characters or in a human environment, uh, it seemed very out of place. Uh, the CGI is not great. Um, it didn't feel like uh, enough t attention was paid uh, to making the character of Buck look realistic within the environment he was in um certainly they did a great job making him act like a dog and, and you know look like a dog and i think in an animated environment uh buck's great you know when i think of you know the cat from toy story 4 and how realistic that cat looked and, and how well it fit inside of toy story 4 that's kind of how i felt about buck except buck wasn't in an animated movie buck was in a live action movie and so, you know, watching Buck interact with Harrison Ford or Omar Sy or um, any of the other humans in the movie kind of pulled me out of it just a bit here and there. Uh, speaking of the rest of the cast, you know, Harrison Ford, obviously the, the big build name on top of the poster. Uh, he's, you know, the main human character in the movie. Omar Sy has a significant role alongside Cara Gee as Perot and Francois. French uh, mailman with a mail route uh, in the movie that are for a time uh, Buck runs you know runs the with the sled dogs with them Dan Stevens and Karen Gillan are in the film as I'm not quite sure if they're married uh, supposed to be a couple or not um, but they're wealthy well-off rich people who are mostly just looking for gold and more money in, uh, up north. And they, uh, you know, own Buck for a brief period as well. Bradley Whitford, I did not realize he was in this movie until he showed up in the first 10 minutes, uh, is the original owner of Buck at the start of the film before he's uh, sort of uh, shepherded around from, from owner to owner. Uh, he's fine. You know, he just he owns a nice big estate house and they have their 
routine regarding Buck and how he's just this giant dog and his um his his impact is certainly felt uh throughout the house from in the kitchen and the kids and outside and um humorous i think a lot of there's a lot of humor in in the bradley whitford sequence of the film as short as it is um that ultimately it kind of disappears as uh buck is transferred from hand to hand and uh that's about it you know Uh, a couple other you know peripheral characters in the film but uh, it all kind of leads to harrison ford we don't see him for the first 20 minutes or so of the movie but uh, I think I, I forget where I'd seen it, but I remember somebody saying it was a much longer period of time before he becomes a character, and that's not true. I think he's kind of just there the whole time and sort of in the background, and eventually he becomes you know very center and uh, in front of everything. Uh, and Harrison Ford does a good job. Uh, I wasn't really impressed by any of the other performances. Um, most of them are too small to really matter, but like Omar Sy and Kara Gee, I really didn't care for. Uh, Dan Stevens and Karen Gillan were both bad, in my opinion, which is a shame because I like them both as actors. Uh, but Harrison Ford, I, I thought, did a really great job. Uh, one of the better actors on screen at making me believe that there was a dog with him. Uh, maybe that comes from all his years working opposite of Chewbacca. Don't know. But he certainly seemed to have more experience in that um in that in that area than the other than some of the others did uh and and it doesn't hurt that you know his character has an actual arc unlike any of the other characters in this movie besides buck you know he's you know going through personal issues that we don't get too deep into uh which isn't surprising when you figure the movie's from Buck's perspective. Buck is the main character. The movie goes through Buck. Harrison Ford is along for the ride, um, even though it may seem the other way around at times. And so, you know, Harrison Ford definitely uh, pulled his weight in this, which um, was was a nice, nice uh, treat. Uh, You know, it's outside of, uh, I guess, like Blade Runner 2049 and uh, the more recent... Uh, Star Wars movies. I haven't seen a ton of Har- Harrison Ford in the last few years, and uh, it was nice to see him in this, uh, giving an actual performance. But that gives us so, so Buck, animation aside, CGI aside, Buck's character. Buck is a giant dog. Uh, Buck is trying to figure out where he fits in to the world, uh, try to find. Uh, the movie's narrated by Harrison Ford, who. Which is strange because it makes it seem like his the character that Harrison Ford is playing knows the inner thoughts of Buck the dog. And of course, he, the character, doesn't. But he, the narrator, narrator might. And so there's a little awkwardness there. But Buck, uh, ignoring the, the voiceover, Buck you know starts out on the house with Bradley Whitford. And life seems to be pretty good for him there, but as good as it is for him, the better it is, uh, the worse it becomes for the rest of the humans that live live with him. And through no fault of his own, and through no fault of the people who own him, uh, he is taken away from that area and embarks on this journey. 
where he meets people who are not who are not nice he meets people who are nice he meets dogs who are very friendly and dogs who are not so friendly uh, he meets wild animals wolves bears and, and and the like and you know it really is an adventure it it feels you know it's one of the few movies i think i've seen in the last couple of years that feels like an adventure movie we don't get a ton of those anymore uh you know jumanji's kind of like an adventure movie but the way that jumanji's presented it's much more of like an action comedy than a than an adventure movie and the call of the wild is is absolutely an adventure movie and so that novelty of it that side of it uh really helps helps uh helps it you know, distinguish itself a little bit from some of the other things we've seen. And uh, I think, like I said, you know, when when Buck is out in the wilderness, when Buck, you know, when it's just the dogs, when it's Buck and, and you know, a bear or Buck and wolves or, or just Buck in the woods, uh, I think the movie works a lot better. And that... You know, those are the, those are the moments that I responded to, I reacted to. I could, um, you know, f- funnily enough, like those are the ones I could connect with. But anytime the movie had a human in it, uh, I struggled to find my way into that into the film. And it's 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 because of how humanized Buck is, uh, you know. Probably a portion of that is to do with Terry Notary and his motion capture performance. But, you know, they're not going for photorealistic the way Jungle Book or The Lion King were in the same vein. Um, you know, it's a little more, you know, early 2010s in, in the approach to the CGI. You know, they want to give um, they want to give Buck feelings and, and, you know, emotions like a human. And we know that you know, as much as we can kind of tell when a dog is happy and we can kind of tell when a dog is sad, uh, the range of emotions that they can display is not quite as as varied as it is for a human. And uh, they go, they get a lot of mileage out of Buck from an emotional standpoint. And he goes through a lot of emotional situations uh, in this, this adventure he's on. I wasn't, one thing, I, I w- really didn't have... I wish I better understood the timeline of the movie. Uh, some of the events, you know, the movie moves along at a fairly quick pace, and, you know, as Buck is shuffled from one person to the next, and it felt like it was moving... It felt like the movie was moving faster than time was, and I didn't... couldn't really get a grip grip on exactly how much time was passing in any one spot. Uh, you know, the fact that... Buck doesn't look any older at the end uh, than he did at the beginning. Maybe indicates that not much time passed at all, but it could also just be a byproduct of the CGI team, not you know, not factoring in age when they did the work. Uh, Harrison Ford as well doesn't seem to have aged much from the first time you see him to the last time you see him, and uh, and yet you know there are substantial events that take place throughout the film that feel like uh you know okay we get a little montage we get a little you know segment that that shows that like there's time passing and like this is a thing that's happening uh over and over again uh, particularly during the male sequence where he's on the sled team but uh 
you know, that could have been a couple of months, that could have been a year, and, and I really wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Uh, so that kind of threw me. Uh, but ultimately, and, and this is the biggest problem and slash issue I had with the film, is that the because of the nature and style of this movie... Uh, and, and presumably how the book is written as well, it's not a coherent narrative uh, for me. It, it doesn't, you know, there's not a point A that we start at and we're trying to get to point B. Uh, the only thing I can think of that is that through line for the entire film is where does Buck fit in, kind of. But, you know, it, it's not that he didn't fit in at the beginning of the movie. That's not what starts the adventure, him like seeking to find his spot. Uh, and it's certainly not what drives him uh, through the, you know, through the second leg of the adventure. Um, or even I would say through most of the time he's in the sled team, you know, it's not an issue that really feels like it's been it, like it's brought to the forefront until he's with Harrison Ford. And he's not really with Harrison Ford until like, halfway through the movie if not further so uh that was really puzzling i you know as we kept getting shuffled from one owner to the next i was like okay well you know what what are we learning like you know sure there are points in the movie where something at the toward in the last third of the movie is compared uh related to something that happens in the first third of the movie i can see that i get that the movie goes out of its way to show us that but it's also a situation of you know I, it felt like the movie and and again presumably the story the book uh didn't know what it wanted to be it, it didn't know how it wanted to get to its uh to its themes to its messages uh to its conclusion and i think if you stop the movie if you cut the movie in half uh, and you look at those parts independently, they're very, very distinct. And the only real connection they have to each other is that Buck's in both of them. And I don't think there's much of a... And if you look at the first half of the movie, I think there's very little f drive happening through the movie as like a, a building momentum, as a... Uh, you know, a reason to you know be engaged with the story... And uh, in the second half, I think there is. It's just you have to get through uh, almost an hour of the film, or I guess it's like 45 to 50 minutes of it before you reach that point where it's like, okay, now now we're telling a story. Now we're getting to where we're supposed to be going. And I don't know. I, I guess uh, I think when you have a, a story that has that's half narrative and half not uh, the better way to organize that is to put the n lacking narrative side of things at the second half of the movie so you have the you start out with okay buck has to find himself uh, buck is uh, searching for his purpose for his place in life and then he kind of finds it and then you kind of go from there like okay well how does that affect him how does that impact him and the people around him and it looks like the movie wants to do it the opposite way of well, how do the people around Buck influence him at this point, and then at this point, and then at this point, and then at this point, 
and the whole while there's no story there's no through line there's no thread there's no narrative arc uh working in the movie's favor at that point so i found i had had some structural issues with the call of the wild that was made that's probably my biggest issue uh that um the the cgi i think the size of buck is at times confusing uh i think like at times he's made to be you know he it looks like he's as big as i don't know he, he looks like a normal dog at times and at other times he's supposed to be you know like a great dane bigger than a great dane sort of thing and and that felt uh inconsistent uh throughout the film so yeah uh i have quite a few issues it's not awful it's not the worst movie um plenty of worst movies have already come out this year a lot of them are horror films uh, but I didn't find anything too spectacular in The Call of the Wild. Uh, it kind of, you know, I, I like it more than Doolittle as far as films with CGI animals go. And I don't know. I think it's serviceable for what it, for, I, for as an adaptation of, of, the, of the written word, but doesn't try to do anything with it and, and kind of, falls into a circumstance that like the story that's being told works much better as a written word than it does cinematically due to the structure due to the way the narrative is written and i would have liked to see that changed and adjusted to to fit the medium that it's being presented in i guess i guess so uh call the wild uh the call of the wild 2020 film with Harrison Ford Harrison Ford uh I didn't care for it I thought it was significantly below average but not awful does not quite cross the threshold into awful I think there are some redeeming elements um, mostly the scenes that exclude a human component uh, so that is where I land on the call of the wild and that's that's gonna be it for today's uh, episode today's review of the call of the wild uh thank you for listening to today's episode does mean a lot if you'd like to find more episodes of the show you can find them on itunes stitcher places where podcasts can be found you can head over to the website circleoffilm.com find all the episodes over there including many other things you can find me on uh twitter at circle of film you can find me on letterboxd at circle of film or you can email circle of film at gmail.com about anything and everything in between you can Support the show by liking it, rating it, reviewing it, subscribing to it, or telling somebody about it, or just listening. Listening is the best support you can absolutely offer. Uh, but if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode or one dollar a month, you can have early access to all the episodes that are released early, which currently primarily includes uh, the MCU episodes that I'm doing with Meg. Thank you for listening. Thank you, big thank you to Brian for being such a considerate and uh, generous patron of the show. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. 
Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, au revoir, be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.